everybody, thank you for joining us tonight on the Kyle Memphis Family Group stream. This is Matt, and joining me tonight is Derek Reed. I'm excited to have Derek with us. We're going to start off things tonight by playing a game. This game, uh, you've probably played it before, it's called Would You Rather? Would You Rather? I'm going to ask uh, Derek a question, he's going to ask me a question, we're going to play this game, Would You Rather? So the first one is this, Derek, would you rather live without internet or live without air conditioning and indoor heating? If you had to give up one, internet or indoor air conditioning and heating? I hate the heat so much, so I would say the internet. For real, you live without internet. Yeah. Yeah, I sweat way too much and it's it's awful. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So a question for you, would you rather be a centaur or a mermaid? Man, yeah. I feel like centaur because I already know how it is to live on land. Um, and, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to give up half my body for fishy parts. Uh, but that, that one's tough. I'm going to say centaur, but I don't like either option. <laughs> okay, back at you. Uh, would you rather never have to clean the bathroom again or never have to do dishes again? So I clean a lot of my house all the time. And so I would probably pick... The dishes. I do dishes way too much. I would rather come back versus the dishes. For real. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like it either of them either, but it'd be tough to figure out which one to, to give up. So would you rather eat a whole a whole raw onion or a whole lemon? A whole onion or a whole lemon. I do like onions a lot. Like um, an apple spike to it. Just right. I like them. Not like that. I like them <laughs> cooked. Uh, cooked onions. Man, you cannot, you know, you can't put too many onions uh, yeah, in, in a dish. I love cooked onions, and I do like raw onions a little bit, like on a Subway sandwich, you know, in a salad. But the idea of eating a whole raw onion grosses me out, so I'd probably not do that. I probably would go lemon if it was either <laughs> raw onion or, or a whole lemon. Would you for peel too? Like the- no. Okay, I wasn't thinking about the peel. That might change my answer. Uh, I don't know. I still feel like lemon. Yeah, I don't. I can't imagine eating a whole, a whole giant, uh, a whole giant onion. Last one. Last one. Derek, would you rather have a personal life-sized robot assistant or a jetpack to get you around town? Ooh. Probably jetpack. I could go further. Some more places. <laughs> it's probably feel efficient, I would think. Yeah. <laughs> Man, have you, have you seen those videos where the guys have are like flying in the jetpacks over lakes and bodies of water and stuff? That's like Iron Man. He's my guy. That's right, man. You're just one step closer to Iron Man. So we played this game. Uh, would you rather game? Because Jesus actually sets up lots of would you rather type scenarios for us in his teachings as well. Some pretty uh, intense ones, some pretty wild ones. And we're actually going to talk about one of those tonight as we discuss the power of radical forgiveness. So we've been going through a series uh, here in our family groups these last few weeks studying the New Testament book of Acts. We're just calling the series Church because that's what it is. It's a study of the early church and what we can learn about community what we can learn about the character of God from these early believers. So last week, we looked at how the apostles responded uh, and even rejoiced in their suffering because they knew it meant that they were advancing the kingdom of God. Nobody likes to suffer, but says the apostles were able to rejoice uh, in their suffering, and and it's because they knew the gospel was being preached, uh, and they were being persecuted because they are doing something for God, something meaningful for the kingdom. And then in life groups this week, we talked about how the church addressed discrimination in their midst. How did the church deal with when people weren't being treated fairly. So how they addressed that discrimination, how they made a plan to ensure that the vulnerable in their community were ministered to fairly and equally in the daily distributions of food. And we had some good conversations in life group this week about that. So one of the leaders selected to oversee this food distribution ministry was a man named Stephen, who we're going to be looking at tonight. 
Stephen is an amazing example for us of a person who's totally yielded themselves to the Lord, given themselves over to God, yielding themselves to the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we're going to be picking up his story in Acts chapter 6, starting with verse 8. So Acts, Acts 6, starting in verse 8, says this, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, started a debate with him. There were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So Stephen was one of the leaders selected to oversee the food distribution ministry of the church. Uh, the church had recognized not everyone was being treated fairly. There was some discrimination, and so they put these, uh, these, these leaders uh, to oversee the group, and they had to meet certain qualifications. Uh, and as we read about these guys, and we discussed in Life Group this week, Luke tells us that Stephen was full of grace and full of God's power, and that he performed miraculous signs and spoke with great wisdom. And so, Derek, as we think about uh, the qualities that make someone a good leader, and we think about the qualities Stephen has here, full of grace, full of wisdom, full of the Spirit, full of God's power, uh, and also just, man, what it means to be a leader in the kingdom of God, what would you say are some essential qualities that make someone a good leader? The thing about the movie, remember the Titans, my favorite movies, there's a scene where at a training camp, and uh, the, 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 the uh, captain, Gary Bertier, and Julius are like butting heads, they're fighting each other throughout all training camp, and so he says, why don't you respect me as your captain? And he says, you want honesty? He says, attitude reflects leadership. And so if you're going to be a, a lackadaisy kind of um, leader, if you're going to be laissez-faire, if you're going to be too aggressive, one's going to want to follow a, an unhealthy leader. And that was one thing that I thought about. Yeah, attitude. Yeah. Attitude's huge. Attitude's so important. Now, that's good. Um, and when I think about godly characteristics in a leader, I think about man, things that I want to emulate. When I see this person, it's like, man, I want to be more like them. And then by being more like them, be more like Jesus. I'm looking for, for qualities they have that say, man, I, I want more of that. Whether it's, yeah, man, I want to have that kind of attitude that they have, that, man, that positive attitude. Uh, I want to have that humility, uh, and I want to have that, be able to, to speak with authority and the things it says about Stephen, that wisdom. And I, I really look up to wisdom, someone that can communicate the Word of God well. And uh, any, any person that, when I'm around them, that make me want to be more like Jesus, want to make me love God more, uh, all, all those are good qualities. Um, so continuing on, in verse 11, it says this. So they, these are the men that are debating Stephen. It says, so they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God, and this roused the people, the elders and the teachers of the religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs that Moses has handed down to us. So Stephen is falsely accused here by this group of men in the synagogue, uh, from the synagogue, and they opposed him, um, not because necessarily they were evil, uh, you know, villainous people. They sincerely believed that what Stephen was teaching, and the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, was blasphemy, right? And so they, they opposed him. Uh, they, they lied about him to get him in trouble. They had him arrested. Um, and so they made up these lies about him, and it says they stirred up the people against him. And so, I um, mean, everyone's probably at some point experienced being lied on or being lied about. Um, and, and, and we think, man, how, how does that feel? How does it feel to be lied about? And, and Derek, man, for you, how, how does it feel to be lied about? Have you ever been falsely accused? Has anyone ever lied about you? Uh, what was that like? 
I'm sure I have, but I can't remember anything in particular. But I've done a lot of lying on other people. <laughs> so that takes up more than anything else. And so I think a lot of times it's, there's a lot of bitterness or you're jealous of that person or there's something in your, in your, in your spirit that's unhealthy that causes you to want to cause those lies. And like in that story, if, you, if, I, if, if I lie about you, all of a sudden I start telling of our students, and all of a sudden everyone's against you. And, yeah. you, know, you know, that's not what you want to happen, but that's unfortunately what happens when we lie about people. It's a snowball effect. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't like when lot people lie against us, and and you know sometimes we're, we're man we're tempted to to lie about others because yeah jealousy. I think jealousy is definitely a factor here, um, and and a, a sincere belief that that they're wrong about something instead of just been debating them on the matter itself. We we malign their character, and uh, and particularly man thinking in twenty twenty the political season, how much of that we see going along. We're not going to get further into that, but yeah. <laughs> um, and man, I've certainly had people, uh, man, lie about me or uh, man, man, say things that were not true about me, and it feels terrible. Man, it, feel, it feels awful. Um, that's not good. Now, when we see uh, Stephen's character in the midst of it, um, to man, just turn around and, and speak the truth is, is, is pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, no, no, no one likes to be lied about. And, and so that's what they've done here with Stephen. They've lied about him. Uh, he was such a good, godly man. They couldn't, they didn't have anything true to cause them to be arrested. So they had to make up these lies. Um, and, and, and so, of course, that stirred up the people against him, the crowd against him. Uh, continuing on in verse 15. It says, At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Man, I, I don't know what's happening there. Um, and something supernatural there that, that uh, man, Stephen, uh, I don't know if he's giving off a glow or what, but it says his face became as bright as an angel. Um, chapter 7, starting in verse 1, says, Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? And these things people have been saying about you, are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. And then Stephen responds by preaching a sermon that recounts a good deal of Jewish history. So from verse 3 to verse 50, you basically get a history lesson, the overview of the Jewish people. And we're going to study Stephen's message more in depth in Life Group next week. But he closes this message uh, by accusing this assembled group of men um, including the council, that they're stubborn. He accuses them of resisting the Holy Spirit. He accuses them of murdering the Messiah, Jesus, and in so doing, disobeying God's law. Uh, that, that's how he ends his message. He says, man, here's, here's what God's done through, the, through Jewish history, uh, revealing himself to us, promising a Messiah. Uh, you, you treated the prophets poorly, and then you treated the Messiah poorly, uh, and even had him killed. Um, and so and in response to that accusation, the, the, the men are enraged. Um, continuing in verse 54. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Um, what an amazing thing for, for Stephen to witness there. Um, and, and man, we don't entirely understand man, what, what's happening there. Jesus uh, standing up, is he standing up to receive Stephen? Stephen's about to be killed. Receive Stephen as the first martyr and standing up as, as a way to honor him. Um, verse 57, then they put their hands over their ears and they began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Remember that name? He's going to be important later in the book of Acts. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
Again, echoing the prayer of Jesus on the cross. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And in verse 60, he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. And so Stephen, while he's being killed, while people are throwing rocks at him, stoning him, uh, murdering him, uh, he says, Father, please forgive them. Don't hold this against them. You know, echoing the words of Jesus on the cross, where, where Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Um, of course, Jesus encourages us again and again throughout his teachings that we need to forgive other people. Um, that we need to, to not hold other people's sins against them, but to forgive them. And that's what we see Stephen do here. I cannot even imagine what it took to forgive the people that are murdering you. While they're murdering you, to say, God, forgive them. You know, rocks are being thrown at you. You're, you're dying. And to say, God, don't hold this one against them. Um, it's absolutely amazing. Um, and so, so forgiveness, of course, uh, a huge important teaching of Jesus. We see this radical forgiveness demonstrated here in Stephen. Derek, I mean, why do you think it is so important that we forgive others? The biggest thing is Jesus first forgave us. Uh, back to Matthew 8 where Peter asked Jesus, how many times I forgive my brother? And he says, seven times? And he says, no, 70 times seven. And so it's an ongoing, ongoing battle. And there are people I've been working to forgive for years, and I realize if I had not forgiven them even once, I'd be bitter, I'd be angry, you know, I'd be harboring a lot of just unhealthy thoughts. And so if we forgive sooner than later, we're doing ourselves a, a service to, you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Or even if they're brothers and sisters in Christ, it's, you know, I feel like everyone wins when we forgive. Even if it takes four yeah. or five times to forgive them. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it may take. It may, it's a process, yeah. right? It may take a lot, but, um, and it, but it's so much better, yeah, for them and for us, uh, for sure. And so we talked about would-you-rather scenarios, right, at the start, a little bit ago. Um, we talked about some different would-you-rather scenarios. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us one of the most challenging would-you-rather scenarios that we're ever going to be faced with. It's in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says this, verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Period. Basically, you can either hold on to bitterness, hold on to unforgiveness, or you can have your own sins forgiven, but you can't have both. Right? You can either hold on to your grudges, uh, refuse to forgive people, or you can be a Christian and have a relationship with God, but you can't do both. That's the would you rather. Now, would you rather uh, hold on to that unforgiveness and bitterness and stay mad at those people? Or would you rather have your own sins forgiven so you can know God and go to heaven, right? That, that's your choice there. Um, and when you say it like that, man, it's an obvious choice. Man, I, yeah, I want, to, uh, man, I, I want to have my own sins forgiven for sure. And it's important that we know that that is the scenario we're being presented with. Our unforgiveness absolutely separates us from God. It puts our relationship uh, with Jesus in jeopardy. God is deadly serious about this issue of forgiveness. Uh, and we've got to be serious about it as well. Um, unforgiveness makes it impossible for us to have fellowship with God. It's toxic uh, to our lives in every conceivable way. Um, I mean, I mean, you talked about yeah, the, uh, the, how, how good it is for us to release that and let that bitterness go. Um, and bitter, bitterness, it only hurts us. We don't only hurt ourselves with that. I had a pastor uh, that used the analogy of, of holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness as like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies from it, right? That makes no sense at all. That, that bitterness, it, it only hurts you. They don't care. They probably went on living their life, right? They're, they're not worried about it at all. Uh, that unforgiveness all, only causes pain to us. And, and it, as Jesus says, it separates us from God, keeps us from having a relationship with God. 
Jesus said, if you do not forgive other people of their sins, I will not forgive your sins, period. So super serious. And forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is incredibly hard. And I don't want to diminish anything that a person's experienced when, when I say that it's important that we forgive. Uh, you may say, Matt, man, I've gone through some terrible stuff. And how would you ask me to forgive this person? So no, I don't, I don't want to diminish anything that, that's happened to you, anything that's happened to a person. Uh, I get that it's hard. I get that it's a process for us. God, I need your help forgiving this person. Um, but to say, I don't want to hold on to this anger, frustration, bitterness. Um, they, they did wrong, but, but, but I don't want to continue to hold on to that. God, help me to forgive them uh, because I want to be made right with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I don't want this bitterness to keep me uh, from having my own sins forgiven and being made right with God. And this is what helps me to forgive, right? Because forgiveness isn't easy for me either. But this is what helps me to forgive. The more I think about what I've been forgiven of, Right? The more I think about all the things God's forgiven me of, the huge debt of sin that God forgave of me, all the times, all the things I've done that offend, offend God, all the times that, that, that man, I've been out of line, and God was so gracious towards me, so kind towards me, um, you know, forgave me of this huge debt. And I think, man, how can I not then forgive this guy of this thing that's so small in comparison, right? This thing this other person's done to me that's small, so small. Uh, in comparison to what God's forgiven me of. And again, not to diminish the stuff you've gone through. Man, some, some of you guys have gone through uh, some truly terrible things, and I don't want to make light of that. But what helps me to forgive is I think of all the stuff God's for, forgiven me of. And I think, okay, God, if you can forgive me of all that, then surely I can forgive, uh, forgive this other person uh, of their offense. And the other thing is that forgiveness cost God something. Um, forgiveness is not cheap. It cost God something to forgive you. When God forgives a forgives us of our sins, it's not like he's just looking the other way. Um, you know, we, you know we, we've, got, we've got little kids, and sometimes they do wrong, and it's important as a parent to discipline them, and sometimes we just don't have the energy, so we just, I'm going to pretend I didn't see that, uh, <laughs> just because it's, it's less stress for me, and, and I'll deal with it next time. But that's not what God does with our sin. He's not just looking the other way. He's not just ignoring it. He's a good God, and part of being a good God means that evil and sin and wickedness in the world have to be punished. But God, the good news of the gospel is that God loves us so much, he didn't want us to be the ones that received that punishment, which is death and separation. So he sends his son Jesus to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. You know? And so Jesus lives the life that we should have lived but couldn't, and then Jesus dies the death on the cross, taking the punishment that we deserved on himself. So that instead of punishment, God can extend us grace, mercy, and forgiveness when we put our trust in Jesus. But that forgiveness, it costs God something. It costs sending his son Jesus to die. And the good news of the gospel is, of course, Jesus didn't stay dead. God raised him from the dead. And so when we put our trust in Jesus, we can believe him for eternal life because he conquered uh, the grave. But it was costly. It was costly. The forgiveness cost God. And so we don't get to punish other people for their sins because Jesus has already taken the punishment for that sin. Um, take it, Jesus has already taken the punishment for that offense. So, uh, and Derek, if you, if you offend me, if you do something to wrong me, uh, man, I don't get to get revenge on you. I don't get to punish you I mean, because, oh, Derek, you hurt me. I'm going to get you back. No, Jesus has already taken the punishment for that sin. So all that's left for me to do is just forgive you, right? I, I don't need to get you back. Jesus already took that punishment. That's what the cross was about. He already took that punishment. All that's left for me to do is just forgive you like God forgave me. That debt has already been paid. We just need to forgive as we have been Forgiven, and that's exactly what we see Stephen do here. Stephen is dying. We see we see Stephen saying, "Jesus, you already forgave me of so much. God, would you also forgive these people as well?" And I, I forgive them. I don't hold this against them. Uh, that's some radical forgiveness that 
that if we can embody that, if we can experience that forgiveness, if we can forgive others, it's going to be freeing for us to not have that bitterness, not have that anger anymore. And it's also going to make us so close to God, give us close fellowship with the Lord. Um, it's powerful. So what does that mean for us, right? We're going to talk about that more in our family groups tonight. Uh, and I'm praying you guys have some amazing discussions about forgiveness and about what qualities man, we see in godly leaders that we want to emulate. Um, and, and super excited for the conversations you guys are going to have about this and the prayer time you guys are going to get to have tonight. Uh, and hopefully, and this, this is the last time we're going to do this uh, online. Ho- hopefully the next time we meet together, it's going to be uh, all together in person uh, in large group. Um, in the Psychology Auditorium, we're looking at uh, October the 29th is our, our first in-person Kyle for all back together. So I'm excited about that um, and excited about how God uses uh, the conversations you guys are going to have in your family groups tonight. Let me pray. God, uh, man, thank you for the example of Stephen, who, of course, was just echoing the example of you, Jesus. God, help us to forgive other people as you have forgiven us. God, help us to put our trust in Jesus, uh, to forgive our own sins, to save us and make us right with God. Uh, and help us to, to, to model that, um, that radical forgiveness in our own lives and, and forgive uh, the people that we need to forgive, to, to let people go, to let go of bitterness uh, and unforgiveness. God, would you make us more like your son, Jesus, in every way. Amen. Love you guys. Hope you have a good rest of your week.